make like, <laughs> like I, I, all of these cool promos and everything are on the FanDuel and like DraftKings sportsbook apps. I just have the main FanDuel app, so there, there's like nothing. So I might download like the sportsbook app and see if yeah. it's any better. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, because like on that, you can bet like just who's gonna win. You can bet how much they're gonna win by. You can bet like all these like different things on the main FanDuel app. You can only bet like oh well, here's a beginner contest. You have to pick like your roster. I'm like I don't want to fucking do oh, that. Man. I don't know anything about this. Like here's a two dollar entry fee, five thousand dollar beginners drive. You have to select a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, a flex, and your defense. I'm like fuck off. <laughs> yeah, no idea. I don't oh know. Gosh. I'm not paying attention to football. I just want some free money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, if FanDuel decides to sponsor this podcast before this comes <laughs> out, then I love FanDuel. It's so awesome. It's incredible. Yes. Uh, it, it's super easy to use, and I highly recommend it. Right. Put in no hugging as your promo code, and you get $200 risk-free, your first bet up to $200. So head on over there. And do it. We'll have to put an asterisk after that because we, we are we are not entirely sure yet. So th- this yeah. just this sentence constitutes as a verbal asterisk, as though we cannot <laughs> guarantee that. Yes, that's true. But take that up with FanDuel. It's their fault. Yeah, if, yeah, it's yeah. Their, if they're not sponsoring us, they're the dumb ones. It's their <laughs> fault. <laughs> uh, so should we just get going? We can. Yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 7, Episode 3, The Maestro. But before that, we had a little bit of homework from the previous episode, uh, which was the postponement. Uh, first, Rabbi Kirschbaum, in his initial meeting with Elaine, mentions or offers her some snack wells. And I remember snack wells, like I said in the last episode, being thought of as the greatest, you know, scientific advancement in the 90s. And they were because they were just fat free cookies that I guess tasted good. Uh Um, And I remember the devil's food cake being particularly like kind of their flagship uh, cookie. And they were marketed as fat free and thus healthier. The green box was like just iconic. This thing was everywhere. And because US dietary guidelines of the early 90s advocated a reduction in consumption of fats and in an ironic uh, unintended consequence, their higher carbohydrate count was later cited as likely <laughs> contributor to the obesity epidemic of the 1990s and beyond. Now, I don't know if they mean Snackwell's was singularly responsible for the obesity <laughs> epidemic, <laughs> but certainly they led the way of there was a lot of things that were fat, you know, quote unquote, fat free. They were not healthy. Yeah. And the Snackwell effect, which the rabbi <laughs> alludes to, he's like, people tend to overindulge or whatever. So it really had a name, the Snackwell effect. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and it was named for the tendency to consume greater quantities of an item or service deemed morally superior, such as a healthier cookie or more energy-efficient lighting. For example, people with energy-efficient washing machines wash more clothes, they found. People with energy-efficient lights leave them on longer and lose the energy savings <laughs> thanks to, their, like, well, we can leave that on. It's energy-efficient. Um <laughs> And here's the thing, though. Snackwells is back on the market. They were purchased by Back to Nature Foods in 2017, Ooh. and uh, and they're they're no longer fat free though. Mm, as what's of the May point? of 2019, at least Snackwells Devil Food Cakes are no longer fat free, as now they contain three grams of fat per serving, uh, and they're advertised as having an improved formula. Even though, and I need a citation on this, universal consensus is they're far inferior to the original recipe, uh. even though they put a little bit more fat in. 
I, I feel like the the little bit of added fat would make them tastier. Yeah, yeah, fat makes it better. But uh, evidently, people are like, no, and maybe that's just nostalgia. They're like, oh no, that's I could true. eat boxes of the ones back in the day. That's true. You know what hasn't lost its taste with nostalgia? Uh, Grace and I bought twenty four packages of Dunkaroos. <laughs> Well, those have always been mostly fat and sugar. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there there's no health benefits to it at all. Like not even back in the '90s. It's cookies that you dip in <laughs> icing. Like yeah, th- there's there's nothing else to it. But it's still pretty incredible. Oh, I bet. What's your um? What's your method? I mean, do you try to get equal amounts of icing on each cookie, or what do you do? No, uh, my method is I like to dunk the cookie in. Uh, scoop up about like a third of the cookie, eat that, and then I always like to save a little bit of the icing after I'm done with all of the cookies and just uh, eat it up with my finger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you had to you had to scrape it, no matter what your method was. But yeah. I always like to do a little bit on each cookie, making sure I leave like a lot of icing for that last cookie. Oh, um, man. So the last one was just like mostly icing. <laughs> That'd be nice. Fully loaded. Yeah, and then, of course, then you go in for the, the cleanup with your finger. <laughs> afterwards you can't leave any icing in there no um and they had little like um there was some sort of like buttony texture to it right they like like the cookies did, they, no 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 the um the icing didn't have like kind of a funfetti yeah yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's sprinkles in it yeah yeah that was great i'll have to tr- start tracking those down too jerry remarks to kramer oh when did you get so trendy when he goes and gets a cafe latte and he says he's been drinking cafe latte since fifth grade and so we wanted to do i, I couldn't find we probably had looked at starbucks before but the, the links were not purple okay. uh, when I went and looked. So I went to <laughs> Starbucks' official page, and they have a, a pretty extensive corporate history. They started in 84, and that's when the first Starbucks cafe latte was served to uh, some uh, investors, I guess. And then by 1987, they had 17 stores. So very slow growth Jeez. in those first three years. Yeah. In 95, so that's when this episode aired. Here's where they were in 95. They were That's when they started. They introduced the Frappuccino in 95. Mm-hmm. And by that point, they had 677 stores, which still is not a lot considering we've, we've heard previously there's... There were 2,000 McDonald's and 2,000 Dwayne Reeds in <laughs> New York City, you know, and that's not a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah, for real. My God. So, but in, uh, by 1996, they had over 1,000 stores. But keep in mind, this is all over the world, you know? So um, that's still not a ton, but I guess they had just been kind of growing. I'm sure there were a lot in New York City by then. I, I wasn't able to find those kind of numbers, but for sure they were on like the trend map, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. That's as much of that question as I could answer. <laughs> Um, the usher uh, in the movie theater, I thought I recognized him, uh, and we weren't sure where that might have been from. His name is Kelly Perrine, or Perrin, and he is just kind of a character actor that is has been in a million, he's been in a million TV commercials. He's had bit parts in everything from 21 Jump Street to the Drew Carey Show, so another Jeez. Drew Carey Show actor. Yeah, uh, Coach, Mad About You, Living Single, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Steve Harvey Show, The Hughleys, How I Met Your Mother, uh, Austin and Allie. The Bernie Mac show. <laughs> yeah, he's just... True Jackson, is that another Disney show? Yes. Yeah, I yeah, think so. It's either Disney or Nickelodeon. Yeah, so he's just been... He's just a wow. working working character actor. Yeah, and in fact, he pulled kind of a, a Judy Greer. Um, you know, Judy Greer, the uh, famous... You know, she's that famous actress. She's Kitty in Arrested Development, and I can't remember... You know, she's just another one of those actresses that's in everything. She's in a commercials for hotel chains right now, but she came out with a book called... I don't know what you know me from confessions of a co-star because she's kind of been <laughs> that woman too for her whole career. 
And so this uh, uh, Kelly Perrin made a movie in 2015 called Kelly Perrin is that guy, uh, which I, I'm only assuming is like a documentary about his life as a, a character actor. Um, so I'm sure I recognize him from something, but what it is is everything. That's all. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I just recognize him from everything. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and the story of Kramer's lawsuit over spilled coffee, as we mentioned, is a parody of the McDonald's coffee case which is officially Liebeck versus McDonald's restaurant. And it happened in 1994 mm. and it became uh, so a New Mexico civil jury. Here's how it shook out. A New Mexico civil jury awarded two point eighty six million to Stella Liebeck, who was 79 and suffered third degree burns on her pelvis when she spilled hot coffee in her lap after purchasing it, purchasing it from McDonald's. But ultimately, she only got six hundred and forty thousand. Um, that's what she was awarded. And then they settled out of court for something that is reportedly less than 600,000. Jeez. Um, yeah. And she was hospitalized for eight days while she underwent skin grafting, followed by two years of medical treatment. God and Liebeck's attorneys argued that at 180 to 190 degrees Fahrenheit, McDonald's coffee was defective. Uh, and much more likely to cause serious injury than coffee served at any other establishment. And McDonald's actually refused to settle for less than what the jury ultimately awarded. Um, but then, as we heard, they uh, settled for a confidential amount before an appeal was decided for for less than six hundred thousand. Um, and of course, it uh, it became like kind of the flashpoint for frivolous litigation. Like, oh, look at the coffee thing. She's spilled hot coffee. And yeah, even um, even though like it's a pretty serious thing. Like, I I don't know if you found this at all, but it, it was my it, it was my understanding last week that she originally didn't want to sue them, but because of her surgery, not surgeries, but because of her her hospital stay and her skin grafting, she was like put out and like kind of like. Uh, her her hand was pretty much forced, you know. Oh, bingo! Yeah, yeah. There, she was like, "Will you just pay my?" You know, I, I don't know what all the thing. I, I see here that the jury damages included one hundred sixty thousand dollars to cover medical ex- expenses, mm-hmm. and then punitive damages at two point seven million. Uh, that was the the initial, and so she was. She just asked, like, "Can you cover my medical bills?" And they were like, "Nope." And so she was like, "All right, well, I got to get something out of you," and and uh, and that's why she decided to sue. Yeah. Here's the other. So we were mentioning how like conventional wisdom has shifted from McDonald's being the victim of this frivolous lawsuit to the woman actually being right in recent years, um, partly due, in fact, to this HBO documentary called Hot Coffee that's from 2011. And it discussed how it's often misused to describe a frivolous lawsuit. And it contends that corporations have spent millions promoting misconceptions of tort cases in order to promote promote tort reform. And so a lot of this was like, you know, McDonald's, a giant corporation, sort of like being able to drive what people thought of this case, like because they just had so much money and connections, they were able to make it look like they were the victim. And the the majority of damages in the case were punitive due to McDonald's reckless disregard for the number of burn victims prior to Liebeck. Documents obtained from McDonald's showed that from 82 to 92, the company had received more than 700 reports of people burned by McDonald's (laughs) coffee and had settled claims for more than half a million dollars. So why they drew the line at Liebeck, I have no idea, but they could have just, if they would have just given her another hundred thousand or whatever. um, Yeah. Everything would have been, everything would have been okay for them, I guess. But I, I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware of all the people that, did burn themselves even before Stella Liebeck. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, not incredible, but I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And here's another reason. So, uh, of course, um, you know, McDonald's had the the political and corporate influence to make it look like they were the victims. But also, here's another reason that it it got, the, the, the public perception of it got warped. So the Albuquerque Journal first ran about 700 words in a story about the verdict. And then the AP picked it up. 
And then newspapers around the world picked it up. Well, as the story spread, you know, the word, you know, the newspapers have l- smaller and smaller space for a story out of Albuquerque, even if it's a big national story. But even big national stories get shrunk down to one or two lines sometimes. So as the word count grew smaller, people didn't learn important details that came out in court. Like, for instance, over 700 people had already burned themselves on coffee that was close to 200 degrees, which was like 40 degrees more than any other restaurant that they mm-hmm. found when they were testing other coffees. And people were like, oh, the coffee's supposed to be hot, you dummy. And that's, uh, you know, of course they're going to think that just because of the way the story was disseminated. So, uh, yeah, that's another important detail about it. But um, I guess uh, maybe the Liebeck family, uh, I think she died in like 08 or something like that. But oh, hopefully they feel some sort of vindication in these these recent years, even if Stella was not alive to see it herself. So it's going to be interesting. This is one of the things that is going to be interesting to see how it how it plays today, because I'm, you know, Kramer's lawsuit is and this isn't the last like weird this isn't the last time we'll see Jackie Childs. Let me just say that. And so it'll be interesting to see how these frivolous lawsuits are played for laughs and if they still are funny today. You know, it's going to be one of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think that's all the homework that I had. All right. Is there any other, like, news that happened uh, this past week? Uh, let me see if I had any... Let me see if I had any trivia or tidbits. I might have... Um, oh, yeah, just a couple of things. Uh, so Rabbi Kirschbaum was named after the Seinfeld writer Bruce Kirschbaum. And though the rabbi's name is going to change in later appearances. So when we see him again, keep an eye uh, or an ear out for that. Uh, Jerry's delivery of the line. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a fantastic idea when George is telling him about the stall doors that go all the way down. Uh, That's an homage to comedian Jackie Mason. Mm. Of course, another borscht belt. (laughs) Great Depression era. (laughs) No, a little bit later than that. But, you know, another another ancient comedy ref from uh, from Jerry. Uh, Susan and George watched the rabbi's TV show. And someone just noticed this. I don't know whether you wanted to call it a continuity error or whatever but the <laughs> rabbi recounts the story elaine told him referencing elaine and george by name that george once argued that visiting a prostitute while engaged does not constitute cheating elaine hadn't spoken to george since he became engaged meaning george must have been speaking hypothetically but it, you know we're, we don't know if susan knows that or not but it's just something it's just another one of their dumb conversations that she held as ammunition for him not being worthy of being engaged when she's not engaged. You know? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So so it wasn't. Uh, I, I mean, in in canon, I guess it, it wasn't when he was engaged to Susan. Then it doesn't seem like it because she hadn't spoken to him since he became engaged before <laughs> oh she god. talked to the rabbi. So yeah. <laughs> The scene where Jerry and George watch a guy remain calm and and keep eating his sandwich while his girlfriend is making a scene was inspired by a real-life event that Jason Alexander witnessed, and he claims it was a famous actor who kept calm and indifferent while his famous actress girlfriend was crying uncontrollably. Uh, He refused to name names, though. Oh, damn. Yeah, I know. Maybe one day we'll find out who that was. Uh, And the final thing I want to mention is George... Consensus on the internet uh, on several different websites and, and things like that is that George does have a hamster and <laughs> the gif of him feeding it is zoomed out to back to four three. So it gives you a much better look of like what he's actually picking up and dropping into the hamster cage. But you can see the cage and you can see the little uh, tunnels that the hamster can run through and stuff like that. So George has a hamster and uh, we we don't know anything about it besides it just lives on that desk. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's all. I, I didn't even think until now that like watching watching Seinfeld on Hulu, it's zoomed in to sixteen nine. This didn't even cross my mind. That yeah, I was on. I was always under the impression that it that it was like matted to four three, and that some some of it was filmed in widescreen. But now I don't know. But uh, I mean, this is uh, this is the Simpsons on whenever they launched on Disney Plus all over again. Like you're missing <laughs> yeah. you're missing some actual gags 
that are happening out of frame because you zoomed and cropped it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We how would we we never would have known that George does have a hamster if not for <laughs> these surviving gifts, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just really really weird that and I don't think I don't think it's ever referenced any more than what we saw in the last episode of him dropping some food in there or whatever it was. Maybe and I saw other people too who were like, "Oh, I thought it was his key. I always thought it was his keys or his change, his loose yeah. change or something." Maybe yeah. uh, whenever Netflix picks Seinfeld up here in the U.S., uh, they'll give us the option like, "Would you like to watch it in four three or sixteen nine? I would appreciate that. What, what would you awesome. do? Would you go with the original? I would watch four three absolutely. I, yeah, I think I would too. Netflix, if you're listening. I mean that that's what uh, that's what we watch uh, the Simpsons in on Disney Plus since they like uh, since they made that available. Uh, it it's great. Uh, you don't miss yeah. any of the gags. Yeah, yeah. And there's no point in in. I, I lived when we had big CRT, whatever the you know non flat screen TVs. I watched in widescreen every single time. If there was a movie in widescreen, I hated pan and scan. Yeah. And I hated anything that was like zoomed in. Because you, you miss things. People, you, you'd see like an actor's nose who's supposed to be part of the scene, like his his nose sticking out and he's like delivering lines. I'm like, this is how can anyone watch a movie like mm-hmm. this? I saw one. When, when was it? I saw a tweet that was like it must have been in my time hop because it was it must. It was so old. It was like people who still buy full screen DVDs should have their TVs taken away or something <laughs> like that. And I was when, like, yes, whenever whenever I was a kid, uh, I would I bought like a lot of DVDs and my I watched them with my grandma and grandpa. And my grandpa would always like zoom in for full screen. So I started like bet I buying full screen over widescreen thinking like, oh, well, yeah, I want the full picture before I knew that. Oh, well, you're missing a lot on the the sides then if you if you make it full screen, because it's not just there's more on the screen. It's zoomed in. So you're seeing less. Yes. I I didn't didn't know that that at first. Yeah, and and then the, and people hated like, oh, I hate the black bars on top. It's like you you need those. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> I'm sorry. Your TV isn't shaped the right way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're trying to. I want to watch the whole movie. I don't want to watch you know most of the movie. I don't want to watch 14 sixteenths of the movie. I want to see all the whole thing, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. So I okay. I think that's all I have as far as trivia and stuff. And I have not seen any uh any new seinfeld news everyone's still alive kelly perine is still alive all the side actors we're good (laughs) all right if you have never listened to us before we are not a research heavy show we like to have our questions pop up naturally and assign them to ourselves as homework the week following uh if we miss anything if we egregiously skip over something please send us an email or send us a tweet at no hugging on twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on apple podcasts if you like what you hear please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts or any other podcast platform and we will send you a no hugging no learning sticker free of charge we just need your mailing address or you know if you just want the sticker just send us your mailing address we'll send you a sticker it's literally the smallest deal in the entire world that being said, Season 7, Episode 3, The Maestro. Original air date, October 5th, 1995. I was two years, nine months, and 15 days old. And if you count this episode and every other episode we have left, Tim, we have 64 episodes until we become a character actor filmography podcast. We cover one character actor every week. And or actually, you know, we could probably do seasons on each character actor and each season are individual reviews of all of their pieces of work. I love it. I already have like the perfect one in mind. I don't know if you know the movie uh, Walking Tall. 
with The Rock. Yeah, I've heard of it, sure. The main villain, the guy who's like blonde, who like doesn't look like he has eyelids. Um, what, do you know his name? I don't. I have no <laughs> idea what his name is. Um, no, I don't. Yeah. He's also he's also in The Guardian with Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher. He he's <laughs> he's one of like the the uh, Navy SEAL directors or something. No, and I think he's in one of the Mummies. But he was in so many movies in the mid two thousands. I don't know what this guy's name is. I, I want to say his name's Eric something. Yeah. Uh, you know, should we stop down and I can look at the IMDb? Sure, why not? All right, I'm gonna. I was trying. <laughs> it's to driving look for, me crazy um... now. There's a 2012 documentary about character actors called That Guy Who Was In That Thing. <laughs> and it has a bunch of these people in it. And then there's the sequel, That Gal Who Was In That Thing, That Guy Too. Found him. His name is Neil McDonough. Neil McDonough. All right, let me see if what I recognize him from. He was in Minority Report. He was in the first Captain America. Oh, uh, yeah, that guy. The 100, Project Blue oh, Book, sure. Legends of Tomorrow. He was in Sonic and Van Helsing. But, like... I have no idea who he is. I don't know what his name is without an IMDb search. Neil McDonough. And he looks a lot like another character actor that I like as well. Now I can't remember that guy's name. (laughs) But yeah, that guy has been in a million, million things for sure. Yeah, I remember him on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. Yeah, he's one of those guys. It looks like he's still working, though, so good for him. (laughs) I think that's a great another great idea for a podcast. I would listen to that because I love I love those guys. I like knowing their names. You know, I didn't know Neil McDonough's name, but every so often <laughs> I know the name of that guy, and I'll go, "Oh yeah, that's blah blah blah." And and, uh, <laughs> and so then, I, yeah. And then each season would culminate with an interview with that character actor, or at the very least, a cameo. Yes, just just a cameo. <laughs> like, hey hey guys, heard your heard your great big fans of mine. Just wanted to just wanted to say. Uh, and whatever he says in like some movie that he thinks is his catchphrase that no one else catches on to. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, anyway, if you are looking at TV Guide the night of October 5th, 1995, you are going to see Elaine's boyfriend's comments on villas in Tuscany stirs Jerry's curiosity. I kind of hate it. I do too. We're, we're definitely going to have to make it better at the okay. end. I hope we can. Because we're, we're, we're just going to have to raise the whole thing. I mean, I, I can tell you right now, we're not using any of that. Um, I mean, we, I, I, there's, there's parts of it I don't mind. Um, but definitely one part I hate. Okay, all yeah, right, let's, all let's, right. let's get into the episode. We'll see. All right, so we start with a stand-up bit as usual. And, well, actually not as usual. This is the first one in like three episodes. That, <laughs> yeah, or four as, episodes. As usual. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. This is the first one in three episodes, I guess, that has a stand-up bit. <laughs> Um, so it is still as usual, just not lately, not in the sample size of, you know, only 25% of the last four have had this. So, uh, and it's about coffee, about how everyone has it and it's offered everywhere and people are always trying to give you more of it. Um, I'm not doing it justice, but it was pretty funny. It was just some fast talking Seinfeld snappy stand up. You know, just if I if I say yeah. stuff fast Mi- enough, people will just keep laughing. Meanwhile, this is coming from Jerry who doesn't drink coffee, who only has <laughs> He doesn't even have instant coffee in his house that we learned a long time ago. Yeah, and he doesn't like caffeine, but he drinks Morning Thunder tea, which has caffeine, which we learned when uh, Elaine and George were hanging out without him and found that the only thing they liked to do was talk about him and make fun of him. <laughs> Over at, uh, So we open at Monk's, and George and Elaine are talking about uh, the rabbi and um, how you know Elaine was trash-talking George, and the rabbi talked about it on his show, and Elaine's trying to kind of, um, you know, uh, 
backpedal a little bit her comments and uh, for instance instead of loser the fact that loser was peppered what does she say instead of that that uh, oh he seemed looser that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i don't think george bought i don't know his uh his face was like oh okay <laughs> i think he may have meanwhile because it doesn't involve him jerry keeps trying to <laughs> steer the conversation and talking about canned fruit and why anybody would buy that uh, outside of a soldier instead of fresh fruit because it's right there it's one aisle over yeah um, and clearly jerry has never been to a food desert like th- there is no place to get fresh fruit if you're living I- in the downtown area i'm currently in mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's like yeah. oh why don't you just get fresh fruit because it doesn't exist jerry and you know the problem with fresh fruit is because it goes bad, and canned does. fruit does not. No. You don't always want to make something right away with fruit or whatever. Sometimes you want to have some on hand. There's a reason for it, Jerry. Uh, George has to go clothes shopping, and he's going to Ross's, which is Susan's uncle's store, and he uh, is hoping for a family discount, and he grabs one as, as he grabs $1 from the... He's talking about being cheap while being cheap and grabbing $1 from the change and the tip that he's left on the table for his meal. <laughs> Um, it's, we'll learn later it's not, but I was like, Susan's uncle owns Dress for Less? That's pretty oh awesome. Oh my god. That's what I thought too. I'm like, wow, I, I guess uh, I guess there's a Ross's in, in Manhattan. Jeez. Yeah, um, and you already, like, George, the clothes are already pretty well discounted. I don't know. I mean, I can understand. <laughs> it's called Dress for Less, you know? That Ross's Dress for Less would be the perfect store for a real-life George Costanza. Like, oh, are you kidding oh, yeah. me? All it is is those like polos and khakis that <laughs> yeah that are just nondescript. Yeah, totally. George definitely would shop at the real Ross Dress for Less. <laughs> okay, uh, wait. Do you call it Ross or do you call it Rosses? I've always called it Rosses. Hmm. Great question. It's one of those things that now that I'm thinking about it, I can't do. Ross. Let's go to Ro- Ross. I don't call it Ross Dress for Less. I'm only doing that to differentiate it from Ross's, where which Susan's uncle does own. Mm-hmm. But I do know people who use the full name each time. Like, oh, we went to Ross Dress for Less. Like, what? You don't have to. That's like more of a slogan than uh, <laughs> part of the title. I know it's on the sign, but hey, mom, um, after we're done at Ross Dress for Less, can we go to McDonald's? <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, son, we have McDonald's. I'm loving it at home. <laughs> McDonald's. I'm loving it at home is just a microwave yeah. burger. <laughs> So I think I I think I just call it Ross. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Ross. All right. Yeah. Cut to the door for Jackie Childs, attorney at law, and we meet a brand new character, a brand new side character, uh, Jackie Childs, who you might know, uh, you might recognize from Jingle All the Way. He plays one <laughs> of the newscasters at the end of the movie that we watched last Christmas, which certified it as a Seinfeld Christmas movie. Yeah, that was it. Him, yeah. him, and uh, Mickey were in it. Yes. Yeah. And that was, and we had already met Mickey, but we hadn't met Jackie Childs at the time, right? Right, right. Yeah. Kramer is explaining his case to this. Obviously, Jackie Childs is kind of a Johnny Cochran parody character, right? You got that. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, it's like makes, Johnny yeah. Cochran if he were an ambulance chaser. Yeah, it's like a cartoon Johnny Cochran, but for sure that was their inspiration. I'm I'm almost certain because you know we, we OJ was still huge news and at this point you know we've already seen them make fun of the OJ thing already. And so Kramer's explaining his coffee case, and Jackie Childs makes Kramer a doctor's appointment, and he decides to take Kramer's case. He loves the idea, and he says, if there's one coffee drinker on that jury, you're going to be a very rich man. And cut to Ross, not dressed for less, just Ross's. And 
Uh, Susan is picking out a red sweater, a red shirt for George that he thinks is too flashy. <laughs> you caught the, the burn like right here in the beginning. Uh, George is like, don't change me. There's a lot of women who'd love to be in your position right now. And Susan just goes, name one. <laughs> yeah. That's a, what a weird flex for George. Like not. And he definitely could not back that up. <laughs> There's a lot of women. Then why aren't why weren't they? Yeah, I mean, we've seen him date a lot more attractive women than he deserved. But whether they wanted to be engaged to him, I think we realize that that's not true. Um, and Uncle Ned, who owns Ross's, drops by, and I thought this was going to come up later. She's like, "Oh, hi, Uncle Ned," and he's like, "I'm going to Costa Rica for a couple of days. I'll see you later." Like, what? What yeah. a weird non sequitur. <laughs> Where did this come from? What the hell? I know. <laughs> I thought I definitely thought this was going to play into the whole Tuscany thing for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but like this is the first and last time that we see him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi Uncle Ned. I'm going to Costa Rica. Bye. <laughs> what, what? what the fuck does it matter if he's going to Costa Rica? <laughs> That was the only thing, not to jump far, not to jump too far ahead, but the only thing that I can guess is they needed him out of the story in order so that George could bring a chair for the guy and nobody would actually check with so him. So how did he do literally him. anything else? I know. <laughs> yeah, like, I wouldn't have thought of that as a plot hole. If they were like, if we never met Uncle Ned and, and the same story played out, I wouldn't go, why didn't anybody ask the owner of the store? What a, I hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> <laughs> this, it was this is what happens when you overthink yeah 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 oh people are gonna no no we gotta put that in people are gonna wonder <laughs> a who actually owns the store they're gonna want to meet susan's uncle and b uh why isn't he you know uh, why isn't anybody asking him if the guy needs a chair it's like well i i don't know i think we can just lose that <laughs> rather than have this creepy guy say he's going to costa rica and then never see him again <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was so weird but George does notice. Here's where we get into. George notices the security guard has to stand all day, and Susan doesn't care uh, about the security guard having to stand all day. And we get another little inner monologue from George about like what kind of person am I marrying that just doesn't have any disregard for uh, you know a, hu a fellow human like this, like George does. And cut to the apartment, Jerry's apartment. Superman's on the bookshelf and fridge, still there as we head into season seven. And Elaine. And Jerry uh, are starting a conversation about, oh, what'd you do last night? And Elaine says nothing. And Jerry's like, I, I know, but you know, what did you? I know nothing. But what did you? She's like, literally nothing. I sat in the chair and <laughs> stared. <laughs> I, I, I like this exchange. I mean, it's, it's something that like actual like really good friends would would go through. You know, like if it's just like a coworker just saying like, oh, eh, nothing, just hung around the house or something. That yeah. that that's what you just say to get out of the conversation. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, they just mean nothing interesting, but Elaine literally did nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I like these, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of these non-sequitur conversations that have nothing to do with the rest of the episode, because that's what makes it so real. And, you know, every so often we enter in on a, a conversation like that, and then we get into the actual scene. So, And the actual scene is Kramer coming in, very excited that he is potentially going to be a rich man, thanks to Jackie Childs and his lawsuit against Java World. Elaine taking you know the role of the american public during the mcdonald's uh, <laughs> thing we talked about earlier thinks the case is just frivolous and meanwhile uh, the maestro is knocking on kramer's door we've never met him before but but he's knocking on kramer's door and he comes in to give kramer some balm to put on his burns 
and he's taken aback when Jerry calls him Bob. He's like, oh, hey, Bob. And it looks like he's been shot when Jerry says <laughs> this to him <laughs> because he likes to be called the maestro. And, uh, you know, he hasn't been around for a while because it was at his place in Tuscany. And Jerry says, oh, I've heard it's beautiful. And uh, immediately the maestro says, oh, well, if you're thinking about going, there's nothing available. So don't even try. <laughs> like, Jerry, Jerry's like, huh. Why is he so defensive over this? Why what? Why is he so defensive over this? <laughs> it's it's just some pettiness. I think it's it's he's a he's a Tuscany <laughs> hipster. Oh my god! Yeah. D- don't even don't even check to see if there are places in Tuscany available because you're not going to find any. I, th- yeah. th- there's there's none. Absolutely none. I got the last one. <laughs> Me. Here's the real shame about. Um, I would have loved if this whole storyline went away thanks to cell phones because if jerry would have because you know what i did did you google tuscany rental houses like me during this episode i did not but i did look something up about tuscany that i will get to later when it comes up in the episode all right well i i pulled my phone out and i was like i wonder if there are any and for sure ted like i kind of want to go to tuscany now like i had no interest in it before but (laughs) you can get some and and they're pretty expensive i don't know you know but like um like two thousand euro i don't know if i think they're on the euro Mm-hmm. Um, Italy is, uh, yeah. So I don't know what that is in real money, but I was like, that seems pretty pricey. But if, if you know, if that's like now a lottery destination. I'm like, yes, I'm going to rent a Tuscan villa. They look awesome, uh, <laughs> and there are plenty available. So I would have loved if Jerry would have just pulled out his phone, googled Tuscany rentals, and went, oh look, there's like twelve. They're they're all <laughs> over the place. Oh my gosh, there's hundreds. What, what is the rental period for? Um, you know, it varies by season. I don't know when the um when the good Tuscan season is. I'm guessing probably summer. Tuscany rental villas. Let's see. Uh, yeah, this was three prices. So two two thousand euro a week. Uh, oh, and they have pools. Oh my god. I mean, Ooh. Ted. Yeah. Um, let me see. Yeah, I went to rentvillas.com. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. This oh the, uh, well. This is Bob what here on rentvillas.com. It says. Uh, you know. <laughs> this is what we're gonna end up doing with all of our Fanduel money. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of different areas of Tuscany as well. I guess Florence is part of Tuscany, and so is Pisa. I guess it's a big area. I don't. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know when the busy area is. I'm guessing. I'm guessing summer. You know. Yeah, this one sleeps ten people. Oh, and that that uh, the minimum is like four thousand dollars a week. The maximum is eight thousand dollars a week. Jeez, is that U.S. Yeah. or is that Euro? That is. That's U.S. Oh my yeah, that's, god. That's US. But that sleeps ten people. But it has a swimming pool. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it looks absolutely. They look so amazing and private. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's one a little cheaper. The minimum is is eighteen hundred dollars a week, and the maximum is like thirty two, thirty three hundred dollars a week. And that one's got a swimming pool as well and maid service. Oh, here's a cheap one. Sleeps three to five people. Um, so that's one single bedroom, one double bedroom, and it's uh like seven fifty a week minimum, and the maximum is seventeen hundred dollars a week. Hmm. Yeah, maybe that's kind of the one that Jerry got because his. No, like spoiler alert. Um, his is like seventeen hundred dollars, and only him and and Kramer end up going. Wow, I really just spoiled the whole episode. Yeah, you did. I can cut that out. <laughs> I mean, does anybody listen to this going? I wonder how the episode's going to end, or do they? <laughs> they're like, well, I'm not going to watch Seinfeld, but I'm going to listen to this because they do a pretty good plot synopsis, <laughs> and it's longer than the actual episode. <laughs> I like Seinfeld, but I want it to be longer. <laughs> So I'm going to listen to this podcast (laughs) instead. Um, Yeah, so I didn't exactly answer your question because I couldn't find the website that I was looking at that did break it down by month to month. But um, 
But yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing probably <laughs> summer is a good time to go. I don't know. But there are plenty available. Don't believe what the maestro says. His name, by the way, is Bob Cobb. <laughs> and it, that's how he introduces Elaine. This is Bob Cobb. And again, the maestro freaks out uh, about not being called the maestro. And he and Elaine have a little moment. They kind of hit it off. Yeah, yeah. He just swoons Elaine right away. Yeah. But and... I, apparently he's a he's a conductor for the policeman's something something orchestra. Uh, did, did you catch what it was? It was policemen's... Oh, the, the, Be- the Benevolent Association, like some charity orchestra, it okay. sounds like. Or just like a group of cops that like, hey, I got a trumpet and you got a tuba. Do you want to... That's probably what it yeah, is. We're yeah. an orchestra. Like, that's really... It, it sounds like very small potatoes, I think, is what <laughs> Jerry's point is. Like, Because Kramer, once Bob Cobb leaves, he's like, you know, you really hurt the maestro's feelings. He's, you know, and, and Kramer sees it as a, a title like doctor. And so does the maestro for that reason, a title like doctor. But because he is a conductor and that's what they're called, like, I could see if he's actually conducting something. But, you know, just every day he's Bob, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a, it's not a title that you need to ascribe like ambassador, you know, <laughs> uh, especially when it's something as small as the B- Benevolent Police Association, whatever the hell it was. <laughs> Uh, over at Monk's, George is wearing his new red shirt that Susan bought for him from Ross's, and Jerry comments on it immediately about how he dislikes it, how it's too flashy, it's burning my retinas, he says. <laughs> uh, and George keeps harping on the security guard and talking about, you know, he should be able to sit down, and Jerry's like, well, you know, I mean, he's supposed to have his eye on things. What if he's got to react? And I love George demonstrating, he's like, it's, how, how long does it take to jump out of a chair? Watch this. Oh, time to, he, so he gets up from the chair. He's like, criminals, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And no one looks at him. That's what I didn't like. Some of the extras should have reacted like, why did this guy just yell, criminals, <laughs> stop it? And yeah. stand up in the middle of a quiet diner. <laughs> that like somebody should have looked at that. That and like uh, when, when he's still sitting down, George is like, "That's why I'm different." Because Jerry doesn't care about the guard either. But George yeah. is like, "That's why I'm different. I can sense the slightest bit of human suffering." And Jerry, with another like real quick, subtle, like slow burn on George, is, "Are you sensing anything right now?" <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my god! Good. And is that when Jer- George goes? I don't know why I talked to you. He's like, no one's got a gun to your head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kramer comes in very excited. The Java world wants to settle, and so uh, he's very excited about that. Meanwhile, at Trattoria dell'Arte, where we have been before, it is still there, and that's where <laughs> Jerry and George eat in the the Fix Up season three, episode sixteen. It's one of the restaurants that they're at. I guess when he's talking, I forget why they're there, but um, yeah, they, they eat there in that episode. It's at 57th and 7th, and it's right across from Carnegie Hall, so that's got to be why the maestro loves it. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the most famous orchestra hall, maybe outside of Sydney, you know. It, it's got the largest anti-pasta bar in New York. <laughs> I don't know... <laughs> I don't know how big that has to be, but oh, it's currently closed too. Don't if you're listening in real time, don't head up there because uh, they're keeping it closed during the pandemic. <laughs> Anytime, like I hear the word anti pasta, I think of like, well, what's wrong with the pasta? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a bar where people go and drink and just bitch about pasta. Ted, <laughs> <laughs> it's high in carbs. The sauce is sometimes fatty. It's man, all butter. Man, you know what? Unpopular opinion. Fuck pasta. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've got 62 episodes till we become an anti-pasta ep- uh, podcast, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. Um, 
by the way, so I was looking. I don't know if I did this back in season three, but I was looking at the menu. And now, in addition to Tuscany, I want to go to Trattoria dell'Arte <laughs> because it sounds. It's first of all, it's pretty expensive. I mean, it's like what do you probably expect in New York City, wherever they are, right across from Carnegie Hall. Like the lobster spaghetti carbonara is thirty six dollars. They have a one hundred and one layer lasagna. Ooh. How is that possible? Oh my that, that's god! Impossible. That that sounds like something that you share. Yeah, yeah. It's thirty three dollars though, so cheaper than I think it's a single. I mean, they must be just wafer paper thin. That's actually that's actually not as bad as I was thinking. I was thinking like, okay, across the street from from Carnegie in New York, yeah. it's probably like a hundred bucks a head. Oh man. Well, I mean, after wine and everything, I'm sure you'd get there. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, wine, and I'm sure you'd get like pressured into a dessert. Or, yeah. or like a an, an appetizer for the table, maybe. Oh, and then you've got to buy the anti the antipasta bar. Yeah, you know, that's they got true. The one. That's true. That's gonna set you back. I think it was like fourteen bucks to visit that or something like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're you're gonna get there. The veal piccata is thirty four. The fillet is forty eight. The pepperoni pizza is twenty seven bucks. I don't know how big that is. I'm guessing like ten inches, maybe. Um. So yeah, it's it's you know it's. New York City, right across from Carnegie Hall prices, but it sounded delicious. Maybe I was just hungry when I was watching the episode, <laughs> but uh, it sounded amazing. So I want to go to Tuscany, and I want to go to Trattoria dell'Arte. Um, and Elaine is eating there with the maestro, and Elaine calls him Bob. And again, he looks like he's been shot every time someone <laughs> refers to him as as his real name. And he mentions that he, you know, he, he actually sends the waiter away because Elaine's like, oh, what are you going to get, Bob? And he's like, well, could you give us a minute? Oh. Uh, while he's like, <laughs> hyperventilating. <laughs> And he wants to be called Maestro because he heard that Leonard Bernstein made his friends call him Maestro. He was at a bar once, and someone come up and said, hey, Maestro. And so if he got to be called Maestro as a conductor, then Bob Cobb wants to be called Maestro as well. And Elaine considers whether or not she's going to put up with this you know, tomfoolery, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> put up with this bullshit. And she's like, okay. All right, she'll call him the maestro. She'll see how this, you know, see where it goes. It's still too early to call it, you know, for Elaine. So mm-hmm. she's like, all right. Uh, I, I read all of that inside her. Okay. <laughs> uh, over in Jerry's apartment, Kramer runs in and says, Burns are gone after he uses the balm that the maestro gave him. And so now the lawsuit and the settlement are in jeopardy if they want to see the Burns. Over at Ross, Ross's, uh, George talks to the security guard who agrees that he'd rather sit. And that's pretty much that scene. Over in a cab, Jackie Childs is berating Kramer about putting the bomb on. And this is another in the Seinfeld greatest hits clip show pantheon. You know, who told you to put the bomb on? I didn't tell you to put the bomb on. Like all of that. (laughs) They just say that. Jackie Childs just says that a million times. And I really liked it. I mean, I I liked this, this seeing him for the first time again you know because of course i've seen all the jackie childs episodes Mm -hmm. it made me appreciate this actor and how i was like what i mean they they really struck gold when they found this guy to play this role because he's perfect i mean in this scene even though it's that cheesy let's you know seinfeld let's repeat the same word over and over again bit seeing him do it normally it's jerry and george or something seeing him do it has has breathed new life into it exactly it's it's just that little bit of variance that that freshens (laughs) it up Yeah, the maestro tell you maestro. Who's the maestro? I love how disgusted he is with the maestro. <laughs> like he hears that right away and he hates it. <laughs> and because they're on the way to get the settlement from Java World, so what do we do? You know, um, out on the street, Elaine and Jerry are talking about the maestro, and Jerry is trying to convince Elaine that it's stupid to call him the maestro. And he's like, "All right, well, from now on, I want you to call me Jerry the Great." And Elaine's like, "Well, he is a maestro." And Jerry's like, "Well, I'm great." 
which uh, I thought was pretty funny. I didn't I didn't pick up. What does she say after that? Uh, she I think she says just like according to you, yes, yeah, or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, she has she has one little dig in there, and Jerry is still thinking, still can't stop thinking about the claim that there's absolutely no houses in Tuscany. So he brings that up again. Uh, and why maybe this guy is trying to keep him out of Tuscany. Yeah, and th- this is where we learned that Elaine was actually invited to the maestro's house in Tuscany as well. Yes. Uh, over up the up at the uh, Java World corporate office, the uh, the powers of B are talking about a $50,000 settlement and free coffee for life at all of their stores. Uh, Kramer and Jackie show up, and they enter the door, Three Stooges style, where they both try to come in at once and they get stuck. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> because, again, Jackie was just disgusted at... Mm-hmm. You know, it made him look dumb for a second. And, you know, as we kind of are already able to discern, but he's going to kind of mention later is that like anything that makes Jackie look anything less than professional and like a cutthroat lawyer is, you know, is like a like a like a dagger to the heart. Um, and so they begin telling him the offer and they open with free coffee at all of our stores in North America and Europe and Canada and everywhere for life. Plus, and it's at that point that Kramer jumps up and yells, I'll take it. <laughs> oh, my God. And Jackie is pissed. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. In, in another cab ride we cut to, Jackie is berating Kramer for taking the deal. I wanted to hear what came after that. Plus, Jackie, I mean, uh, uh, Kramer said he didn't hear the plus. And that Kramer begins taking advantage of the free coffee immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And, he hops yeah, out pulls of over the, the cab. cab to jump out. He hops out of the cab to go to Java World. Yeah. Out on the street, the maestro pulls up as Jerry and Elaine were talking, and he is conducting his car stereo, which is just like, this is right. Could you imagine being around an insufferable individual like this? <laughs> uh, I have, and I have been. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to name names? Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, but like, he, he's air conducting Beethoven's seventh. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Get, get out of here. Like someone whose entire identity is based around what that, that people think, A, that it's great, but B, that they know you're not that great at it. Like he's not, <laughs> he doesn't conduct a Carnegie Hall. You know, it's like he's made his entire identity being a maestro. And, and it's not that it's not, it's not, not, I can't believe Elaine is buying into it. You know, she does. She jumps right in immediately. And, and not only does she jump right in, but she starts singing, uh, yes. uh, what is it, Verdi, uh, yeah. the, the Italian opera. I'm like, oh, uh, God. Yeah, and, and he tells Jerry once again not to look in Tuscany. Because Jerry's <laughs> like, you know, I, I was thinking about, you You know, you mentioned again that there's nothing in Tuscany. He's like, you, you're not looking, are you? Because don't even bother. There's nothing in Tuscany. And, and yeah, Lane uh, enters the car. And that's when Jerry runs into George and mentions it again. And George is like, are you going to rent a house in Tuscany? And Jerry's like, no. He's like, what do you care? Yeah. <laughs> Although this is something that George would definitely care about if someone was doing it to him. It's just another instance of these characters having no sympathy for each other. Yeah. <laughs> Over at Monks, Jerry is still trying to figure out why the maestro is trying to keep him out of Tuscany. And George is talking about uh, getting a chair for the security guard and trying to figure out what kind. He was thinking bar stool. Definitely got to get one with a back. Maybe a rocker, I think he brings up. I don't know what else they uh, bring up. One thing that I, I glossed over, by the way, I wanted to mention was they talk about the size of Tuscany. And George is like, of course he's trying to keep you out of Tuscany. You know how big Tuscany is? It's like North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry's like, do you know how big North Dakota is? <laughs> that can't be right. And 
Jerry's trying to figure out how to find out if there's any homes in Tuscany, and then he remembers that Poppy is from Tuscany. And cut to, we get a little, for some reason, a weird clip of Elaine and the maestro in the car singing, you know, whatever song that was. It, it's probably de- dirty, I guess. I, I, I have no idea, but they're, they're getting into it. Uh, I, yeah. I guess just because we needed a buffer between Jerry going to call Poppy and coming back from having talked to Poppy, you know? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I, it, was, it was weird and it felt unnecessary. Yeah, although the song they're singing, I, I know as the song for the board game and the advertisement for the board game, The Grape Escape. Do you remember this? <laughs> nope. Oh, man. So The Grape Escape, I never had it. I don't even think I ever got to play it. I don't think any of my friends had it, but it was such a cool concept. You made your player out of Play-Doh, and it was a little grape, and you had to like go through this, I don't know what it was, probably a jelly factory or something, and if you landed on one of these spots, and it was kind of like mousetrappy, too, because you turn a crank or something, and if one of the grapes was on this spot, it'd get like cut in half, or it'd get smashed by a part of the board or something, and then you'd have to start over, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> and so your your piece would get destroyed as it... And the theme, the song that they used was this, and the only thing I remember at the end was, that's the way you do it when you play the grape escape. <laughs> so that's... I'll always associate this song. I'm sure Verity is very... He's Verity proud that... Um, God that damn his, it. <laughs> That his song is associated with this 90s board game uh, from back in the day. But it was a cool concept. I, I wish I could track one down. We'll play The Grape Escape on, um, you know, on one of our future Patreon episodes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when we come back, Jerry has talked to Poppy's cousin. Uh, or he's talked to Poppy and he said, go talk to my cousin in Little Italy. And George has settled on a rocking chair that he's going to go get for the security guard. They both run into Kramer, who, has, who is leaving a Java world. Uh, saying he doesn't want dirty looks when he comes in and gets his free coffee because he gets as much as he wants and they can't do anything about it. Um, and if they don't, then he's gonna they're going to hear from his lawyer. And he is overindulged in cafe latte. One cool thing, though, is he offers them a free cafe latte. I'm like, yes, that's good guy Kramer. Like, yeah, gets free coffee absolutely. for life, hooks up his friends. That's awesome. I'm sure it's against the settlement. Like, all right, you can't get these for your friends, but <laughs> I, I love it. I'm, I'm, I think that's awesome. I, I wish I had a friend that... Got free cafe lattes for life. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm surprised, like, in the settlement, they didn't say something like, okay, one per day, per <laughs> store, you know? You can't just yeah. sit in the cafe and get endless cafe lattes or a- endless hot drinks for six hours and getting them for the entire cafe. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that might be in there, but at least not the one-a-day thing. It seems like that is unlimited, but, I mean, they... It, it, I wonder how much you would have to drink... Not to get to fifty thousand retail, but fifty thousand dollars. You know, what whatever they get, whatever a cafe latte costs them to make. You know, <laughs> uh, cents. L- yeah. li- literally, probably twenty cents on the cup. So maybe they're like, oh my gosh, we. As long as he doesn't drink a hundred thousand cafe lattes in his lifetime, we'll be fine. And I'm pretty sure Kramer would die before that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think they probably were like, yeah, um, unlimited. That's fine. Do whatever you want because there's no way. Yeah, there's no way you're going to drink $50,000 worth. So we are coming out ahead on this one. Um, over at the, uh, the Ma- I guess it's the Maestro's apartment. It doesn't look like Elaine's. That, that's what I thought, too. It, it didn't, th- I didn't recognize the exterior. Yeah, and, and Elaine and the Maestro are making out, and she starts saying, oh, Bob, oh, Bob. <laughs> and again, he looks disgusted, and so she's like, oh, Maestro, yeah. oh, Maestro, <laughs> she changes it. But, and like, to Elaine's defense, Bob is not a sexy name. No, she was doing her best with it. She you know, she was trying, but it just yeah. sent like, oh, Bob. I'm like, ew. <laughs> Sorry to any Bobs listening that your name's not <laughs> sexy. 
um yeah it is but i think i wish they would have harped on that a little bit more i think it would have been a lot funnier for them to explore that she has to call him the maestro during sex (laughs) um i I feel like jerry could have had some fun with that but maybe maybe it was just too blue for a prime time or whatever Mm, yeah uh, back at Ross's, George is throwing around. He comes in with a rocking chair and is throwing around to the security guard and to the clerk working at Ross's that he's, you know, the the nephew of the owner and he's probably going to be owning it himself eventually. So, you know, why do you? We like we don't know anything about Uncle Ned. Why would you give your business to your nephew in law? Like when you know George is assuming a lot about you know the the Ross dynasty. I think. <laughs> Um, this uh, so, this actor looked familiar too. Yeah, I was gonna say we might have even seen him in Seinfeld before. Like he he seemed that familiar to me. So maybe we'll have to look him up um, for next week. See who this was. But the uh, you know the the guard wants to make sure that Ned thought it was okay. And um, you know again he's like, please, I'm his nephew. Um, and the guard really likes the rocker, and he seems very happy and thankful to George, which I think is really what George wanted. Yeah, he just wanted, like, I don't know, to make, not make a difference, but, like, I don't know, uh, help this guy out, but get the the thank you and, like, I don't know where I'm going with this. The self-satisfaction. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's why it's why they uh, why any of them do anything, but I feel like George has to be pleased with the outcome of, of this, at least up until this point, that the, that the guy is, like, you know, genuinely thankful. You know, he seems really happy with the fact that he gets to sit down and rock now. Um, cut to a restaurant in Little Italy, and Jerry talking to Poppy's cousin, Mr. Ciccio, and they uh, he does have a house for rent in Tuscany. It's 2 million lira, which I guess comes out to about $1,700, and Jerry is kind of intimidated into renting it, because he didn't want to rent it. He just wanted to know if there were rentals available, and Mr. Ciccio's like, yes, this one, $1,700. <laughs> and so Jerry is... Renting a house in Tuscany, it seems like. Yeah, and um, um, th- this is actually the the other thing that I looked up. Like, I I want to know, like, okay, what would two million Italian lira be today? But the Italian lira was made obsolete. It, it was replaced with the euro on January first, nineteen ninety nine. But I uh, uh, it's um I, I don't know if this is as of nineteen ninety nine or as of today. Um, but one euro is equivalent to 1,936.27 Italian lira. But 2 million Italian lira would equal 1,200 U.S. dollars today. So it oh. it it, uh, it actually went down in value. Interesting. I'm kind of surprised you can still exchange lira for anything. I figured they'd be like, all right, we're going to, if you don't have it, you know, by this time, your lira is worthless. Get it to the <laughs> bank. Um, yeah. So it's it's been devalued, I guess. Yep. Back at Ross's, we see them getting robbed while the guard has fallen asleep in the rocker. And that's the end of the episode proper. We do have an epilogue. In Tuscany, Elaine and the maestro are enjoying uh, a balcony on the maestro's, uh, in, at the maestro's house when they hear a noisy cab ride pulling up. It's Jerry and Kramer arriving to the house, which is across from the maestro and Elaine. I wish we would have gotten... They both look... Um, you know, disappointed and disgusted at this rabble has now, you know, moved in across the street. Oh, I love that. You know, I love that Kramer's like, how much did you give that cab driver? He's like, I don't know, 35,000 lira. He's like, 35,000. He's like, you don't understand. It's not the same as dollars, you idiot. Oh, no. Like, like, Jerry Jerry says, like, he gave him 175,000 lira. Oh, like, okay. 175,000. Jerry, Jerry gave him a lot of money. Can oh, he, really? Because, yeah. 
See, I thought he just said seventy-five. He says one hundred and seventy-five. He says one hundred and seventy-five thousand. No, he says one hundred and seventy-five thousand lira. Which, if two million lira is seventeen hundred dollars U.S., I'm guessing one hundred and seventy-five thousand would be fifty bucks. I don't. Oh. I don't know. Um, well, should I pull up my calculator? No, but if it, I mean fifty bucks is that's probably fine for a cab ride from the airport to uh, you know the outskirts of Tuscany. Is seventeen hundred. Then that's what would 175,000 be? So it would be uh, 1700 times 175,000 equals divided by 2 million, $148. Oh, well, that is a little high. <laughs> that's why I really thought he said 75, but because I thought the joke was like what most people think of when they heard Lyra, like 2 million, 75,000. Like. <laughs> I really, I thought, I thought the the gag was like Kramer doesn't understand the exchange rate is so crazy between lira and dollars. You know, back in the day, it was it was it was wild to to hear like two million lira is only like a thousand bucks. It's so <laughs> weird. And uh, they, I wish there had been a little moment where Jerry goes, "Hey, I found something in Tuscany, neighbor." Yeah, like there I wasn't. really wish that we would have gotten that moment. It ends on their backs, like looking yeah. at the house across the street. Yeah, we deserved the maestro. <laughs> You know, getting his comeuppance, and it doesn't happen. No, the the maestro and Elaine just close the windows and and walk back into the maestro's house. That's it. Yeah, Jerry deserved a little gloating for his seventeen hundred bucks plus airfare, and you know he paid for Kramer too. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you know Jerry doesn't fly coach. Oh no, I wonder if he made Kramer sit coach. Probably not. I don't think Kramer would stand for that. <laughs> uh, but I wonder if Jerry could stand an entire plane flight overseas next to Kramer. Oh God. How long is a flight from, from Manhattan to Tuscany? Oh, good question. Let's see. Manhattan to Tuscany. My phone is now definitely good. Like, all of the advertisers that are <laughs> looking at my phone are like, this guy is going to move to New York and go to this, these amazing restaurants and then have a villa in Tuscany. <laughs> my phone thinks I've hit the lottery. You're going to start uh, getting, like, texts from your bank. Like, Hey, we noticed some weird activity in your search account, in your search history. Everything okay? And then you're going to be like, uh, yeah, everything's okay. Wait, how do you know that? <laughs> and all my Instagram ads are going to be flights to Tuscany. Yes. So um, it looks like if you want to fly into Florence, that's a 11, uh, like 10 hours, 45 minutes. So about 11, they're both about 11 hours. Um, that's going to be about $1,300. If you want to fly into Pisa, Ooh. that's $2,000 and also 11 hours. Oh my God! So okay, so for for sake of argument, let's say fifteen hundred dollars for each ticket. So so three thousand plus seventeen hundred for the rental plus anything they literally want to do in Tuscany. This yeah. is no cheaper than five thousand dollars for Jerry just to kind of prove a point. Actually, I mean, so this these numbers are probably like if I these numbers are if I want to leave on the 29th, but I'm looking at at kayak and they say the average price of a round trip is $515. Again, that's not first hmm. class. Okay. Um a good deal for a round trip is 389. Hmm. All right. That's not bad at all. And, well, I and mean And here they also answer another question we had. The low season is February. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I mean, th this would all have to wait until Americans can travel again. So yes, <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, I guess I, I guess well, I got time to save well, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you won't be able to go to Tuscany until like 2026. <laughs> yeah. So I got. Yeah, I'll, I'll start start saving my pennies now. 
Uh, and that's pretty much the end of the episode. All right. What uh, what do we have to look up for homework? I, I know we looked up pretty much everything that came up uh, yeah. today. So d- is there anything we didn't look up? <laughs> we'll look up the actor uh, who works at Ross's. Ross okay. clerk actor. Yeah. And besides that, I uh, I think that was about it. But yeah, I felt like a lot of the stuff, a lot of the conversation today was outside the purview of homework. You know, I feel like it. every so often those things pop up that are like, oh, you know, I... Because we kind of knew about this, I looked it up. Yeah, I feel like we're we're within our still within our mission statement. <laughs> okay, uh, what do you like for cover art? What do you what do you like visually about this episode? Hmm, interesting. I would love some Kramer and Jackie. See, I like the, the cab. I like the Kramer and Jackie where uh, Jackie or, or no, actually, this was. Um, Kramer running into Jerry's apartment saying that the the bomb had cured his burn and lifting up his shirt and yeah, asking and, and, Jerry and to look and, at his pelvis. Yeah, and and lifting up his shirt because <laughs> he he's just like moving around so erratically in this scene. Um but I don't know, I, I could probably find something with him and Jackie as well. I it would have to be in the cab because everything else they're like on other sides of the room. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, something in the cab might be a, a nice tight shot with, with Jackie Childs just to celebrate his introduction. All right, let's see if we can come up with a better description for this episode. So we had Elaine's boyfriend's comments on villas in Tuscany stirs Jerry's curiosity. What do you think? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, it really is not the meat of the episode. This this one is kind of all over the place. I mean, there's this is one where you get like two or three equal A stories with George and the chair and something with the maestro and and but Kramer's deal comes into it as well. Uh but I feel like, you know, we, we can just take out the thing about Tuscany. I mean, we can we can keep in that Elaine uh meets a new guy or something like that. But I wouldn't mind, let me see. What does George do? George hmm how to tease George's story. I mean, George doesn't really have much going on in this episode. Yeah, besides the the, the chair and the security guard. So this episode is, man, it's, it is kind of all over the place. But I, I really don't think it has to do just with the houses in Tuscany. That's kind of like just the little button on it at the end. And we and it's not even satisfying. Yeah. No, that, that ending sucks. Yeah. I, they should have turned around and like, oh, look, I've had one. <laughs> Man, I'm yeah. I mean, I just I would have loved for Jerry to get his petty revenge. Okay, Elaine's what? Um, so the maestro. Well, I mean, should we include something like Elaine's new boyfriend? Something about him wanting to be called the maestro. I mean, that's also not really what it's about, but it really takes up more time than Tuscany. I feel like. Hmm. El- Elaine's new boyfriend. No, I, I feel like that that would be just like a, a good surprise. Yeah. Can it be as simple as like Elaine gets a new boyfriend? Kramer settles his lawsuit or does that give too much away that that's going to give too much away for sure and also like Elaine they all have different partners almost every episode just having Elaine gets a new boyfriend yeah I I wouldn't tune into that episode that's true Elaine's new boyfriend something about well I guess they always have as you say they, they always have new partners and they're always have their own quirks so that wouldn't be interesting either. It's like Elaine's, ooh, Elaine's new boyfriend has something odd about him. What? <laughs> they always partner with such normal. Well, I guess, and that's true too. The the, the partners are usually pretty normal. It's the looking looking in TV Guide. Uh, I've seen this one before, but it says new right <laughs> next to it. Uh, I've seen it before. Yeah. Um, I still don't. I I still don't like the villas in Tuscany thing. How about Elaine's new boyfriend? 
won't let her call him by name. I know it's wordy, but Elaine's new boyfriend doesn't like to be referred to by his name. Yeah, I'm not. I don't hate that. What is and then Jerry in Tuscany? I mean, that does. I guess that it's just such a Jerry spends. Wish... Jerry spends a lot of money to avoid confrontation by an Italian mob boss. That's now that's that's interesting. You tune into that. <laughs> Well, what if we maybe we can throw Tuscany back in just because that does <laughs> now that I'm looking at it, it's like, you know, so Elaine's new boyfriend uh, doesn't like to be referred. Well, it's very that's very wordy, but doesn't like to be referred to by his name and, and doesn't want Jerry in Tuscany or something like that. Oh, my God. No, um, we can't do that. Elaine's new boyfriend. What do you think about like Kramer's Kramer's coffee lawsuit um, culminates or something like that? Kramer's coffee lawsuit comes to an end, mm-hmm. and Elaine's boyfriend likes to be referred to, do, doesn't like being referred to by his name. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. Okay, I think it's as best as we're going to get. Yeah, it's it's a little too wordy, but I mean, the, the other one, I just don't feel like the episode is about the Tuscany thing enough to True. have that be the only thing in the... Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, okay, so next week we have got Season 7, Episode 4, The Wink. Original air date, October 12th, 1995. If you're looking in TV Guide, you are going to see an uncontrollable wink creates problems for George and Kramer. Uh, I'm laughing already. I love... uh, We're going to get some good Mr. Morgan in this upcoming episode. Uh, One of my favorite lines from him... Uh, yeah, and it, it's 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 pretty funny. It, we're gonna get some good. I, I have high hopes for this next episode. <laughs> but I said that last episode too, and and this one was kind of very middle of the road. Did you yeah, feel that way about the maestro? Was, yeah, it was meh <laughs> at best. I think. Yeah, it, it, I had some strong feelings about the maestro, but it's not like oh, I want I, this is a guy I love to hate. Like no, I just hate him. Yeah, so I'm, I'm the same I, way. I don't want to see him again. <laughs> Uh, but this next one, hopefully it lives up to my expectations. Uh, and is that it? That's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.